Awesome. It's really good to see you again. Today, we get the privilege of going through. We started a new kingdom principle last week. If you were here, you might recall it was called storing. And um, we got to talk about the principle. And this week, we get to talk about the promise, which is always the great bit in the principle, where you not just get to hear about what it is, but what the promise is to us and what it looks like for us in our everyday life. And so as we begin, shall we just um, remind ourselves what the kingdom principle actually was. It's from Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, and it says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And so we realize that our life and everything that we are and everything that we experience around us, the decisions we make, come out of processes that we have gone through in our own minds, the choices we make. And it's not just random, it's not just going to happen to you, but we do have choice over the kind of life that we lead, over the kind of person that you want to be. You get an input in that, you get a choice in that. It's not just random. There are things that we can do in the principle as we grab hold of this and we realize that When we input good into our life, that good is going to come out of it naturally. That's when we can really grab a hold of all the promises that God has for us. Isn't that exciting? It is. Thank you. So as we start today, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. So if you do have your Bibles, feel free to um, turn or scroll up to that. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. It says this. Rejoice. In the Lord, always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Wow. This was written a long time ago. But wow. Anybody here could do with being a little less anxious in your life? A little less stress in your life? A little less worry in your life? Could we not all do with a bit of that? And we're going to be looking a little bit more at two what we can do, and what this principle means for us. I love how uh, Philippians, I'm just going to keep talking. Should I use this microphone, David? Um, I love how Philippians uh, phrases all of that. As we think about, okay, what, what, what is it to store up good? What, um, when we think about storing up good, what are we actually talking about? And I love how uh, Philippians 
phrases that uh, in, in Paul as he's writing to this, uh, this church congregation begins to phrase, think of the good things, dwell on the things that are praiseworthy and admirable and noble and all of that kind of stuff. I think that helps define a little bit when we're talking about what is good and we're talking about storing up good things, um, you know, that can be kind of a little bit vague, a little bit, um, you know, ambiguous in some senses, but I love that in, in Philippians, Paul defines it as thinking on what is praiseworthy, what is admirable, what is, um, let's just make sure I don't make anything up, um, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy, what is lovely. Um, think about such things. And I love that he narrows it down and he defines it. And we also talked about last week, of course, uh, in Galatians, Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit, about patience and love and joy and all of those kind of things. And those are the kind of things that we're talking about when we're thinking about how we can store up good. And, um, you know, there's some promises that come with, if we, um, if we, if we store those things up in our lives, if we decide to think on those things and dwell on those things and put those things and invest those things into our life, there are some promises that come with it. And um, and uh, firstly, uh, if we want to go to the next one, we can store up good and you'll avoid a whole lot of pain. So um, when I was 16, I went on a uh, it was like an outdoor pursuits weekend with my school and we went to Wales. Wales is very much like this. It's cold, it's bleak, uh, it's misty and it's a little bit miserable at times. There's not a lot to do apart from mountains, um, sheep and uh, countryside. That is pretty much sums up Wales. There's a few castles here and there um, and the Welsh people have an even stranger accent than I do. And um, we were in Wales. We were uh, due to climb Snowdon, which is uh, one of the highest mountains in Wales. Uh, we were going to be going kayaking on a lake a little bit similar to this. And uh, we were, I think, doing some abseiling. There was a whole kind of itinerary of things that our school had organized and arranged for us to do. On the first night, though, um, I don't know why uh, our teachers thought it wise, but um, everyone else was in dormitories. And there was a handful of us who were out in a sort of a, a trailer type caravan thing at the back of this dormitory center. I have no idea why the teachers thought me and like four or five of my friends were a good idea to put in there. 16 year old lads all in a trailer kind of fending for themselves. Not the smartest idea in my opinion. Uh, but um, uh, about sort of midnight, I think we were still up. Uh, long since our curfew and when we were supposed to be asleep and it came uh, it came to mind that it was a good idea to play Truth or Dare. Has anyone ever played that? Anyone want to admit to ever playing that? <laughs> Truth or Dare. <laughs> now, I was, I, I was pretty fearless. I probably had less fear than brains and it just wasn't the, the smartest tool, shall we say, sharpest tool in the drawer. Uh, and so I just went for Dare every time. I, I didn't want to I don't want to give anything away. I didn't want to tell anyone any secrets. So I just went for dare every time. And uh, one of the dares, uh, most of them were fairly tame, but one of them was uh, that uh, I was 
I was supposed to pick one of my friends up on my back and run around uh, without getting caught by any of the teachers, run around the site uh, of the, the sort of um, center that we were, and there was like uh, woodland areas. It was quite a big, there was a lot of acres to this land. And so we were supposed to just get out and without being caught, run around this, uh, this, this kind of huge a uh, couple of acres of, of land. About halfway through, we got into like a wooded area and it went pitch black. I could not see a thing. There's nothing in Wales. There's, there's, I don't think there's even stars. Uh, I just could not see a thing. And, uh, I, uh, and as I'm kind of venturing through, trying to pick my way through without killing anyone, um, uh, myself or my friend who is currently on my back, I don't know why he was still on my back. I mean, no one else could see us. But anyway, <laughs> there's a dare. So I was, I was in for a penny, in for a pound. Do you say in for a cent, in for a dollar? No, probably not. <laughs> um, in for a penny, in for a pound. Maybe that's a British thing. But anyway. Uh, and all of a sudden I slip and I slide down a ditch uh, and I'm trying to hold Phil on my back as best as I can but I'm slipping and sliding down this ditch and my foot twists in my boots uh, and my boots weren't tied up properly so my foot really wrenched and really twisted and all of a sudden there was this almighty crunch that I'm pretty sure sounded like, I mean it could have been a stick snapping but it pretty sure it was my my foot and this horrible crunch and I sort of whimpered got up and tried to put a brave face on it I hobbled back to the trailer hobbled back to the caravan and uh, within within like half an hour or so my foot had swollen up to the size of a balloon it was huge and I was in agony and I couldn't put a brave face on it so at that point they had to go and get the teacher now the teacher also happened to be my dad and if my foot wasn't already broken, it was going to be after he was not impressed. And, you know, there are rules and there are things in place. There are boundaries. There are fences put into place. Uh, God has, has uh, put guidelines and things into, um, into the rhythm of life and into the motion, things that uh, we are supposed to observe for our benefit, for uh, us so that we can avoid pain so we can avoid pain of slipping in ditches in the middle of the night and breaking I think it was like the little toe but it was right down at the bottom apparently David Beckham also broke that same bone in a probably more heroic tackle in football than just running around the site in, in the middle of the night but you know the boundaries that we are set in life help us to avoid pain and when we store up what is pure and what is good and what is admirable and what is praiseworthy and all of those kinds of things, we spend less time wondering why certain areas are fenced off and why we're not supposed to venture into certain, certain parts uh, and, and why we aren't supposed to do certain things. We spend less time wondering about those type of things and spend more time wondering about um, uh, uh, all the good stuff. We spend more time wondering about all the wonder of our Father's grace. We spend more time wondering about all the wonder of his mercy and his faithfulness. When we begin to take our eyes off the things that we should or shouldn't do and the fences that are put up in our life, we begin to wonder about his grace and his faithfulness and all of his goodness because it is in him that we find all the good things that we can store in our lives. That's true. 
The second point, ooh, hello. The second point, <laughs> store up good and you will conquer your old sins. Sometimes we can look back and we can think, oh, it used to be a certain way and I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't, I don't want to have this thing over me anymore. We can be filled with guilt or we can be filled with, um, you know, just worries about what we are going to be. But we can, we can think about that and we can think about, you know how we talk about living on the line? There's a line we can live on the law of how far can I go um, to, to please God and how far can I, can I go to make sure I don't sin and all those things. And we can live our lives on the line and we can become really judgmental as well. And so you can compare yourself to other people. Um, and the Pharisees could be a bit like that. We read in the Bible, you know, one of them says, um, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You know, we can get all high and mighty about how far we have come and, and what's good about us. And we, we can go, well, I'm living on this line. And we can fruitlessly compare ourselves to other people. Or it could be the other way, and you can be like, oh, I wish I, was, I wish I was as good as that person over there. Oh, I wish I was better. Oh, they've got it all together. Look at Kerry. She's just always beautiful. She's so composed. She's so organized. She always has the right thing to say. She, I just wish I could be more like that. She's, she, she's got it all together. Why can't I be more like that? And we can compare ourselves so often to other people. But the great news is... God only compares you to one other person. And that person is Jesus. He doesn't compare you to the person next to you. He doesn't compare you whether you're better or worse than anybody around you. So you shouldn't either. That's not your job to do that. If God doesn't do that, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why do we do that? God compares us to his son, Jesus, he is the level, he is the bar, he is where our eyes should be fixed. We should be living up in that cloud, not on this line, looking at other people, thinking, oh, am I better than them? Am I not scrolling through your Facebook feed? Oh, they look like they're having such a wonderful life. Oh, that's not fair. Oh, that's not fair. Oh, look, they're going on holiday again. Here we are, still stuck here. Oh, look, look, oh, this has worked out great. Oh, look, look, that's worked out. Oh, look, they're having a fight on Facebook. Let's go into the comments and see what they're all saying about us. You know, we can get all involved in all of this kind of day-to-day -day stuff and it messes with our head and it puts in stuff in our hearts that then affects the way that we live our life. And God has called you to be better than that. He's called you to be more than that. He has called you to be compared to his son, Jesus. His perfect son, Jesus. And that is who we are becoming like. That's who you can become like. That is what you are designed. You are born to be perfect just as Jesus is. By the power of his spirit working in us, we can live beyond this line and up in the cloud. If we leave our sin at the cross where Jesus died for it all, he took it all. He paid the price for it all. It is done. It is finished. You aren't a slave to sin anymore when you accept Jesus. You have a new DNA. You have a new person about you. You are a new creation, started again, and we make good choices. You are able to make good choices. You are able to store up good things in your life so that good follows you everywhere that you go. You are able to be a kingdom carrier 
You are a kingdom carrier. When you have Jesus in your heart, living through you, you release things around you, and sometimes you're not even aware of it because the presence of God is in you and with you, and that is what you carry, and that is who you are. And we don't need to spend our time focused on sin, 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 because if we do that, we're going to hit it again and again and again and again. But when we look up and we go, Jesus, what did you do? What, what, what kind of things would, would you be doing right now? What are you doing? How can I get involved in serving your kingdom and in being more like you? And when we lift our eyes up and we start to go, do you know what? I think you would talk to that person over there right now who's looking really sad and crying in the line. That's a risk. Mm, I don't know if I want to do that. That feels uncomfortable. And the Holy Spirit talks into our hearts, doesn't he? And sometimes we get tiny little prompts. Maybe I should text that person. Maybe I should go and do something for that person. I'm worried about money. Maybe I should be generous anyway. All these little things that God often speaks to us about, it's an invitation into the more. We're not designed to come to church and sit on a chair for an hour every Sunday to please him and then go home again and forget all about it till next week. You are designed to live your life influencing the world around you for the kingdom of God to bring light and love and freedom and joy and all the things that God wants to pour through you to go through you again, to come out into his world, for you to be a participant, for you to actually do something, for you to act. We are all participants. It's not for the people who's yet to stand on a stage. It's for every single one of us to have a relationship with God. And so it becomes less about how can I avoid sin and more about, God, how can I please you? What can I do today that will, will help the people around me? What, what is it that, that, that you are doing that I can get involved with as well? And instead of being really focused on accountability and, oh, I've got to talk to somebody about all my sin and so I don't sin, I mustn't sin, I mustn't sin, and we get so focused on sin that we just keep smacking into it because that's what we keep talking about and what we keep focusing on. It can be good to confess our sin to one another. It tells us to do that. But not so that's all our focus. How about having an impossibility group rather than an accountability group? What would that look like? If someone is asking you, what risk did you take for the kingdom of God this week? Tell me your stories. And you have to tell them what you did when you responded to the voice of God when you stepped out of your comfort zone and you actually took some time out for somebody else. If someone was, was keeping you accountable for that, for your impossibility, for the times you went and took a little bit of a risk and you were listening to the voice of God, what would that like look like? How would that spur you on? We don't need to be focused on our sin anymore. Jesus has paid that price. And the more we look to his son, Jesus, the more we're going to become like him. The more we're fueled and focused on running that race and getting and out of our comfort zone and doing the things that God has designed for you to do, the more that will be left behind. And we will look back and we'll go, wow, I didn't realize how far I have come. And every now and then it's great, isn't it, to look back and to think, oh my goodness, I used to be that person I am not that person anymore. I had a diary. Did anyone have a diary when they were like 14? Oh, I found it. Oh, I, oh my goodness. It was filled with just, I couldn't read. I couldn't. I started reading it and I'm like, oh, I'm not that person anymore. I am not. I'm not that person. It was like somebody else. And it brought up some memories and I'm like, oh, it was a horrible time. 
oh, teenagers, feel for you. I do. I've been there. And I read back at it and I had to, I had to get rid of it. I had to trash it. <laughs> I couldn't keep hold of this thing anymore. I'm like, I am not that anymore. And so having a line looking back can be helpful because we're like, I have come this far. I wonder what I'm going to be like in another 10 years. If I keep making the good decisions and that spurs us on, doesn't it? So keep going because we don't have to be held up by our sin any longer. Yeah, fantastic. Um, if we store up good, we will eventually reach our destination. A couple of years ago, uh, we took a road trip to France. Uh, that's me in France um, outside a mussels restaurant. Ordered the mussels. Uh, thinking, you know, it would come with a few sides and, you know, it would be nice. Nope, just a massive pot, like a giant cauldron of mussels. About, I don't know, five minutes in, it was all muscled out. I do not ever still, this is like, I don't know, four or five years ago, I still never want to see another muscle again. Um, but we took, we took this road trip and we, we drove. Uh, so um, I don't know if you know much about European geography, but France and Ireland aren't connected. So you have to catch a ferry. So we drove from the top of Ireland where we lived uh, about six hours down to the bottom of Ireland to catch a ferry. And it was about a 19-hour ferry drive um, uh, across the channel. Um, and then on the other side, because uh, we were a little bit... Uh, naive um, about the whole kind of uh, continental business we um, well we just went to the wrong part so uh, we had another six hour drive on the other end and uh, we uh, I think Zach was seven at the time Levi was six and Micah wasn't even one so uh, the nearer we got to it I don't know what we were thinking we started to panic Genuinely, we started to think, what on earth are we thinking taking like a 30-hour trip with these tiny children? So we began to worry. And then Becky had a plan. She had a great idea. She went to Pound World, which is a little bit like Dollar Tree. And in uh, Pound World, there were uh, these sort of, what are they called, like, car tidy kind of things that you clip onto the back of your seat and you it's got lots of compartments to put things in and um, I think they're designed to put like all your CDs or you know different things that tend to like, certainly in my car maybe you guys are super tidy but certainly my car just roll around the bottom until someone you have to go and pick someone up who you're like I need to impress them so I best clean the car out you know those type of things anyway those are all supposed to go in these like tidies and uh, she bought uh, three of these one each for the boys and then she bought a whole load of little gifts and presents and little treats and goodies that she wrapped up. And about every half an hour, about every 30 minutes on this um, lengthy journey, she would produce one of these. And the kids would be like, oh, it's exciting. And they'd kind of unwrap it. And then that would kind of occupy them for the next 30 minutes. And we'd be like, oh, peace and quiet. And then it's, the noise level would start to rise, arise, arise. I'm like, is it, is it time? Is it time? And like, okay, right. And we'd, we'd kind of pass on another. And, and this is how we got through this 30-hour journey, just kind of bit by bit, uh, passing on these gifts. And, um, you know, storing up good things, I think, is a little bit like that. As we store up the good things in our life, uh, uh, when, we, when we find ourselves under pressure and in moments where we find life is perhaps taking a different turn than we're anticipating, there was one moment where the sat-nav took us completely the wrong uh, direction. I say the sat-nav, it was probably me. But um, 
and 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 we're starting to freak out because we haven't got data on our phones and we're like worrying about like all of this kind of stuff to re anyway uh and, and when we're under pressure we find that um that it's the the good things that we've stored up previously that begin to uh begin to direct us in those moments uh, in the Havarim just this week we've been looking at um how do we make how do we continue to make good choices uh, how do we continue to 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 respond well when we find ourselves under pressure because sometimes it's it's those moments where we begin to see what what really is inside us we begin to see what really we've begun to store up and it and it, it's it's those things that begin to affect the way that we view and the way that we uh, the lens that we filter life through so it's it's the things that we've stored up in those moments that help us and enable us to reach our destination. You know, um, I'm not 100% sure if it's true, so don't quote me on this, but in folklore, in kind of modern folklore, there's this story about um, Michelangelo uh, and uh, a famous Renaissance artist. And um, when he unveiled the statue of David, um, he is supposedly a critic, an art critic, said to him at the time, like, "That's incredible. That's so beautiful. How did you, how did you come up with that? How did you create that?" And Michelangelo is reported. Now, the, I'm not. The rumor has it, but I'm not 100% co- convinced. But it serves the purpose of what we're talking about here. Rumor has it that Michelangelo responded, "I just chipped away everything that didn't look like David." And you know, sometimes that's a little bit like what God does with us, I think. We've been created with we've a blueprint. We've been designed with a, a unique purpose, a unique identity, a unique personality. God created you because he didn't have anyone like you else in the world. And God has created us with a unique purpose and a unique identity. But sometimes as we go through life, we begin to uh, we begin to uh, different experiences perhaps happen, and we begin to pick uh, different things up, and we begin to uh, maybe uh, warp out of shape. Some of us have warped out of shape more than others, uh, uh, but you know, we begin to look a little bit different, like we were intended to. And I love that kind of along the way, as we store up those good things, that's the tool with which God uses to chip away the thing that doesn't look like the person you were designed or intended to be. All those things that we uh, like, that keep us awake at night as we think, I wish I hadn't responded in that way. Or we think, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. Or I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I, that foot and mouth kind of hadn't struck again. I wish that I hadn't behaved in that way. All those things that keep us awake at night. But God, the good, as we invest good in our life, God begins to chip away those things so that we look like who he intended us to be. Awesome. Fourthly, quickly, when you store up good, you will avoid needless temptation. So um, I've mentioned before, but each one of us has been made to be a winner. You are a winner. That is who you are. You're a winner. You won. You know, biology and all of that. You are the one that won. That created you. From the very, very beginning, you are the winner. And everything God has set up for you to win in life. You are a winner. The things that you have been through, the experiences that you have gone through, the way that you have trained in life, 
God uses all of these things for you to overcome and conquer things that maybe other people haven't. He's got a unique design on your life for you to be of influence in a certain sphere, in a certain area where you are. He has equipped you and he has prepared you and he still continues through us. And we are able to push back the power of darkness, to build his kingdom, to live life strong and proud and winning because of, oh, that's how he set you up. Now, when we store up good in our lives, we, we make good choices. We continue on this good path. What can happen is when we go off that path, when we make bad choices, when we start to get badly influenced, we end up, rather than being on where we are supposed to be, what we're designed to do, we end up on a place where we're not supposed to be. And the problem is, if you are fighting a battle that you're prepared for, that's great, isn't it? You can easily defeat it. If you're in a place where you're not prepared and you haven't been, been set up to win on a certain thing, you've put yourself there, you're not equipped to fight that battle. And that's when that battle becomes very difficult. That's when those temptations can overcome you because you're not designed to be there. You shouldn't be in this place. You shouldn't be in this situation in the first place. You're supposed to be over here fighting this battle. And when you position yourself away from where God has set you and you know where God is supposed to set you and you've purposely gone away, that's when you're fighting something you were never designed to fight. That's when it gets really hard. And we see that with King David in the Bible. We, we read about how when kings go to war, David was at home and he was watching out and that's when he saw this beautiful lady Bathsheba. He should never have been there. He should never have seen her. And that's when he had an affair with her. She gets pregnant. He then panics. He then decides, oh, her husband, let's try and get him killed. So he tries to kill his husband. This old, tries to bring him back, tries to make it look like it's his baby. Can't do that. Ends up getting him killed, murders this person. And it all just goes wrong, 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 because it all starts off. He was in the wrong place. He was designed to be a warrior, to conquer. He was designed to restore Israel. He was designed to be their king and their leader. And when kings go out, where was he? Not out. He was in. Don't know why. That was a bad decision. And in our lives, we can, we can learn from that. We can learn from David and we can go, do you know what? He made a really bad decision. He didn't know what the end result was going to be. But we do because we can read the whole story. If we don't make the wrong decision in the first place, it's going to continue down a good path. We make good choices, we're going to continue down a good path, and we all end up winning. If we make one bad choice like this and we stay there, it, it leads you open to temptations that you don't need to fight, you're not designed to fight, and that will overcome you. You know, you are set up to be a winner, to have an impact. Have you ever noticed, have you ever been around a really passionate person about a particular subject? Have you ever noticed that? Like maybe it's sailing. You know, there's a lot of people who are really passionate about sailing around here. And I don't know much about it. And when you spend time or golfing, I know some people who really love golfing, whatever it might be, and they get really into it, they start talking about it. When I'm around that kind of person, I'm like, wow, this sounds really good, actually. Oh. You know, and it starts to make me feel different about it. Before, I'm like, meh, it's okay. Have you ever seen the, uh, anyway, this movie? 
meh, never mind. Um, so we just watched it this week. So, you know, I'm like, I don't know anything about it, not interested. But as soon as I'm around a passionate person who can't stop talking about it, it makes me feel like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should try this out. This sounds actually really fun. It influences us. The people we hang around with influence who we are and who we become. Some of these girls are some of my best friends back from Northern Ireland. When you hang around with people, you tend to become a little bit more like them. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed that with your husband and wife. Mark, when I first met Mark, I wouldn't speak to him for a year because he looked homeless. <laughs> and I know you might have already heard that one. But when, um, you know, and I was just like, I don't want to hang around with him. And then we started hanging around with each other. And he used to dress like skater boy, really, really, really big, baggy jeans, skate shoes, crazy kind of unkempt hair, great big beads and chains around, you know, all of that. Look at him now. Look at him now, right? We'd never imagine it, would you? As you hang around with someone who's different than you, you kind of like change. Not because someone is saying you must change, but you, you naturally kind of become a bit more like that person. I was completely different than, than I am now when I met Mark. And so the more you hang out with people, the more they influence you and the more that it changes you. The more we hang out with God and Jesus, guess what? He is passionate. He is so passionate. The more we hang out with him, the more we're going to become passionate about the things he's passionate about. And we all just be like, oh, I didn't think of that before. Oh, that sounds amazing. And the more we hang around with other godly people who are passionate about God's kingdom, guess what? If you want to be like that, hang around with those kind of people. If there's something in your mind like, I want to be really like that for God's kingdom, I think that would be a really good idea. Hang around with those kind of people. And I guarantee you it will have an impact and an influence on your life. And storing up good is also about storing up good people around you and good influences around you. Make sure you've got good people who love you for who you are, not for what you can give them, but for your heart, who can speak into you, who can help you to be the person that you are designed to be, who will spur you on, cheer you on, push you forwards to your goals and to what you want to become and what you want to achieve and all the good, great stuff that's in your future. That will make a massive difference. Okay, and so finally, as we as we bring this into land, if we store up good, we'll raise our expectations. The uh, I'll explain this picture in a moment. <laughs> the The Jewish rabbis teach that there are three types of sin. Um, het. I'm not sure if I'm fully pronouncing these these um, pronunciations properly, but We'll go with it. If I fake it to make it, I'll just pretend that I am. Let's can we erase that from the from the <laughs> tape? <laughs> I'll just pretend that I am definitely pronouncing these right. Uh, het is the sin that we commit when we don't do what we could do. A1 is the sin we commit uh, when we do what we should not do. And Persia is the worst kind of sin. It's where we purposely break the rules in order to tell God that he has no lordship over us. Sounds like something out of Star Wars, doesn't it? Het, A1, and Persia. Um, and, you know, um, some years ago, uh, just as Becky and I were getting married, 
Um, I, uh, some of our friends, we went out to celebrate. Um, and this is what happened. Um, uh, this character here is Paul Gibbs. <laughs> and uh, this is what he did to me on my stag do. Uh, next time you see him, he's in Australia at the moment. He's uh, speaking over there um, and leading some meetings for pays. Uh, next, time, <laughs> next time you see him, just shake your head. Just say, I know what you did. I know what you did to Mark. Okay, this is this is Paul. This is the associate pastor of our church in Manchester, uh, Foggy, who borrowed, I'm not sure if I should put this on, on record, but he borrowed uh, one of the police officers from our church, borrowed his handcuffs, um, and I am, you can't quite see it because the picture's not the best quality, but I am handcuffed to that post, uh, and then they covered me in cling film and um, sprayed me with shaving foam and squirty cream. Uh, but, uh, and it was all good fun, it was all a laugh, we all had a, had a laugh and a joke about it, but the evening did not start quite so well. And uh, as we started off the evening, my best man and I fell out. He had bought a jester's outfit. So uh, English tradition, uh, the, the, the groom is dressed up normally on his stag do in some kind of embarrassing outfit. Uh, one of our friends, I think they, his friends bought him a, a, a mankini. I'll just leave you with that. Thankfully, thankfully, Steve did not buy me that. Uh, he had bought a jester's outfit, uh, but I drew the line at tights. I was out. Tights? not happening. This, bearing in mind, this was when I was skating, big baggy jeans, tights was not going to work with my image. And uh, I refused. I flatly refused. I am not wearing that. And uh, he, he got more and more persuasive to the point eventually he locked me or barricaded me in my own bathroom <laughs> uh, with the suit and said, you are not coming out until you are wearing that, until you've put that on. So um, in that moment, I thought there's only one thing to do. I put the shower on and I put the suit in the shower and said, I can't wear it now because it's wet. That was, that was essentially my solution to the problem. And in, in, in that context, if Steve had been God, which he's not, but if he had been God, uh, that would have been that kind of, that kind of rebellious nature of, I am not doing what you are telling me. I am categorically, I am making this, I'm going so far that this is not happening. And, you know, maybe some of us can remember moments in our life where we've done that. I can remember some moments in kind of my uh, earlier years as a rebellious teenager, pushing boundaries like that. But, you know, these days, as I look back, I can see how far I've come now. And many of us don't struggle with those type of things anymore. Many of us don't struggle with that kind of sense of, in England, we would say, sticking two fingers up to God and say, I am not doing what you're telling me to do. Uh, it comes from a whole kind of battle in French and how you can research it. But, you know, um, many of us don't struggle with the same things that we once struggled with. We've come a lot further. But um, as, we, as we move through, as we journey through life, and as we move through and go on a faith journey with God, uh, we can raise our expectations beyond simply that question of, am I wrestling with 
the sins that I used to wrestle with? Am I wrestling with the attitudes or the the emotions, or am I wrestling with the desires? Am I what? Am I wrestling with those things? Many of us can move beyond those things and begin to contend and wrestle for the things that advance the kingdom of God beyond our lives. We take our eyes off our internal wrestling match and our internal struggle, and we begin to look to what God is wrestling with in our world. We begin to look at what God wants to wrestle with in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our uh, gyms, in our country clubs, and we begin to walk across the room and offer to pray for people at work who look like they need God to intervene. We begin to uh, get up out of our seat and walk across the restaurant and pay for someone uh, in our community, someone in our neighborhood who, who just we know needs a helping hand. We begin to get out of our uh, comfort zone and we begin to take risks to walk across the room and encourage someone um, who uh, across the street who has maybe just received terrible news. We begin to get up and we begin to contend for the things that advance the kingdom beyond our own internal struggles, but into our world. Because God has not just designed you to be an overcomer in your own life. He has not just designed you to overcome your sin, but he has designed you to overcome and to advance his kingdom in our world. He has designed you to uh, bring hope and carry life wherever you go. Wherever you set foot, you carry the kingdom. And you carry the capacity to change the world. You carry the capacity to change. Just this week, uh, one of the, uh, the guys I work with has been struggling with a, a terrible pain in his neck, so much so that he could barely turn it. And on Thursday, we decided enough was enough. Him being in pain was not God's will or purpose. And so we prayed, we decided to pray for him. And in that moment, we saw things dramatically change. In that moment, we, we saw his pain go, his neck free, and he could turn and move uh, completely free. Because God is in the business. He's alive and he's well and he's in the business of bringing life to our world and the beautiful privileges that we get to partner with him. So as we come into land, as we finish now, I want to leave you with that. If we store up good, out of the good that we store up, we will begin to raise our expectations beyond just our own internal struggle. But we begin to contend for the things that God wants to change in our world. You can be an agent of change. Let's pray. Father God, Long may our world come alive as you change our neighborhoods, our communities, our friends, our families, our workplaces, our gyms, our clubs. Long may our world come alive as the good that we've stored up, the good that comes from you overflows from our lives and begins to change the world around us. Father God, we thank you that you want to partner with us. We thank you for the privilege that you invite us into the work that you are doing. 
And Father God, we pray your blessing and your favor. God, would you give us eyes to see where you're moving and eyes to see the opportunities ahead of us. In your name, amen.